Are you ready to up-level your performance, become a better sales coach, and grow revenue? Are you ready to be ready? Then ready, set, sell. I'm Hannah, a B2B sales enthusiast and sales consultant, advocating for sales to be a little more human. And I'm Tony from MindTickle, where I'm a sales leader and coach. And you're listening to Ready, Set, Sell, a podcast dedicated to helping revenue and sales professionals like you adopt a sales readiness approach to ensure your team is always ready to win. In each episode, we share smart insights, tangible advice, and actionable tips that can be applied directly to the work you do every day to drive organizational growth. Let's dive into the episode. When you think of sales, you may not immediately think of it as synonymous with storytelling. But I'm a movie guy and storytelling is a part of everything I do. So in this episode, we're here to tell you why a great salesperson should also be a great storyteller and how you can brush up on your own skills. See, that's right, Tony. Learning to tell a compelling story will take you far in the sales world. And excellent storytelling skills can be especially powerful when you're providing prospective clients with a product demo. And this is a bit of a tongue twister, but as someone who got his start in sales, sailing on cruise ships, our guest today knows all about the power of storytelling in sales and the key elements of a great piece of content. Ah, Tony, I see what you did there. Nick Capozzi is the head of storytelling at Demostack and an expert in crafting compelling video content to boost sales and strengthen the narrative surrounding a brand. And he's my mate. Did you know that? I did know that. And that's why you could tell this was just such a fun episode to do. Uh, You know, Nick sat down with us to tell us his own story and share his best kept secrets when it comes to leveraging storytelling as a sales tool. Nick also gives us an overview of how to create an Oscar worthy demo, which you definitely won't want to miss if you're hoping to take your brand storytelling to the next level. And if it's Oscar worthy, it's got to be great. So enjoy the episode. Nick, you're literally one of my favorite people. I think you know that because I tell you that all the time on WhatsApp, on LinkedIn, just all the time. And I finally got to meet you, what, a few weeks ago? It was one of the highlights because I got to meet you and actually a lot of other people that I like a lot. Um, So it was absolutely fantastic meeting you in person. No one has a story like yours. So I, I need you to give everybody the absolute pleasure of hearing about how you got into sales, because I just generally don't believe anybody else has this story. It's pretty unique. So um, I grew up in Canada and I knew as a kid I wanted to be in broadcast. So I went to Humber College in Toronto for radio, worked in radio and then TV for about five years. And I was trying to do voiceover work. And one day at a party, Someone said to me, hey, can you do that radio thing on a stage? And the next thing I knew, I stepped onto a cruise ship in Miami. I spent 10 years living at sea, pitching product, high-end, duty-free, Swiss watches, jewelry, from a stage, got into management, worked my way up to an executive level, got out right before COVID, and by accident, pivoted into tech. And it was because I was posting content on LinkedIn about what I knew, which was presentation skills, soft skills, uh, camera-ready, storytelling, and that became, um, you know, I became a consultant. And then uh, a couple months ago, I, I moved over to the, the marketing side. Uh, and I'm the evangelist now at Demostack. I just love it. I just, I love it. <laughs> it's not a surprise with just a smooth voice that, you know, you were doing voiceover work. You could just hear it. We're going to get into a whole bunch of different things around storytelling and your background and things like that. You know, when you're in your current role, before we get into that, for what you're doing at Demostack, what can you tell us about your main focus right now? 
So what I do specifically is two things, which is content and events. So by content, that's uh, that's kind of whipping up videos, a little bit of edutainment, trying to make content that people would actually want to pay for about you know the problem we solve with demos. So we talk a lot about, again, presentation skills and what these sales engineers are looking for. And then I go to events. And it, it was funny, I'll, I'll tie it back to what I was just saying when I um, jumped over here a couple months ago. It was actually a post on LinkedIn and I said, been very fortunate to have built this uh, little consulting business over the last 18 months, but I want to do what I did in cruise, which was a mix of events, partnerships, and content. And what does that look like? Luckily, a couple people knocked on my door and Demostack was just such a natural fit. With Demostack being a natural fit, what, what was it that made that a natural fit? What initially brought you to them? Well, what was interesting from my point of view was that they talked about, you know, they, they've solved the demo problem. Basically, we make the demo experience. We can spin up a tailored demo environment in a couple minutes, which I've learned over the last few weeks is uh, usually something that takes hours, if not days, and occasionally weeks for these sales engineers. But what's interesting about these sales engineers or pre-sales that falls under that umbrella is that they really focus on two areas. One is discovery and the other is presentation skills. So when demo stack, we're growing very quickly. We actually just announced a Series B last week, which was really exciting. They said, hey, listen, we just want more people to kind of be aware of what we're doing. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Popping champagne. You know, basically they said, look, we need, we need a ground game here. We need uh, people to be aware of how great the product is. And it's interesting. I'll sit in on these quarter demos now that we're doing when we're pitching our product. And actually I just went through some demos the other day and I was looking up these words like, wow. And how did you do that? And, you know, bleep, bleep, bleep. And it's amazing what comes up and the reaction people see when they see how the product actually works. So, well, when I started consulting, Hannah, you know, this, um, it was, it was, Sales leaders saying, hey, listen, we need help with our demos. Can you sit in our demos? Can, can you literally you know, be Nick from marketing uh, as a consultant and sit in and then kind of critique and give feedback? And that's what I did on Cruise. I taught over 800 people uh, over almost 15 years how to present from a stage. So if you can present from a stage in front of 500 people, concepts, whatever you're selling, whether it's a Swiss watch or whether it's uh, you know, an insurance solution, Going from a stage is the major leagues going to, you know, a Zoom or a demo environment in my mind is like going to the little league, right? So those skills, when you do them at a really high level, or we teach them at a really high level, they, they're just so much more impactful in this smaller virtual environment. But with, with the journey you've been taking here, what would you say really motivates you in your day-to-day role? I mean, you've gone, it's, it's such a, a unique path that you've taken. So in what you're doing right now and the people that you're working with, what you really motivates you? I, helping people find their confidence. And I, and I don't say that lightly. A lot of what I do is really help bring people out of their shell, especially people who maybe are introverted or have never, you know, or very, feel very uncomfortable even turning on a camera. So, so much of what I do is based around just making people feel comfortable so that they can explain what they're doing. They can tell the story of the product. That is really what gets me out of bed in the morning and gives me a buzz. What do you love and secretly dislike about the sales world in general? You know what? I th- I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what I dislike. There's a lot of repetition. And I think that was part of the reason that I wanted to get out of selling and more, let's say, hovering, straddling revenue as opposed to, let, let's say, kind of, because I'm still a seller in my mind. But what was interesting, when I sold on cruise ships, it was repetition. It was like if I was on a run that went to... Cozumel, Grand Cayman, and Jamaica. That was the run I did for six months. But because it was new guests every week and because there was like weather events and we're pivoting mid-ocean and it, it wasn't the same. But I found when I got into, you know, making phone calls or or doing demos, it was a lot of the same thing. And I 
I like to be a little bit creative. So I think that's why for me, there was that transition to what I'm doing now. What I love about sales is I love when you really can be consultative and really discover someone's problem. And if you have the right solution, really kind of change, you know, some of their day to day. Right. And I find that very fulfilling. That is really um, one of the things that, that I love about selling. You know, why, why, are you, why are you so passionate specifically about storytelling and video content? I think that there's theater to what we do. I think, it, and it, you know, you can hover that above selling in general, but the opportunity to keep people engaged, right? To me, whether it's you're telling, whether you're making a film or whether you're, it's a radio, Saturday morning talk show radio, whether it's selling, you know, when I first started getting in on these demos, one of my first clients was a, a fintech company, you know, they were talking about compliance, right? How do you make that interesting? How do you tell a great story about being compliant, right? How do you get, how do you make it so intriguing that people who, you know, are on a couple screens and are camera off, how do you get them to actually stop and turn the camera on? And I think that's, what's really interesting for me. It's almost like a challenge is, can I, can I create enough intrigue and interest to really lock you in? Because when someone is paying attention to whatever it is you're presenting, more of it's going to sink in, more of it's going to appeal. I mean, it's basic psychology, right? That ties back to what I was talking about before with discovery. If I'm discovering what problems you have, Tony, or what pain points you have, or, or frankly, that you're interested in film. So one of the things that I, that I used to do when I was uh, about to get on a sales call, I'd always spend 90 seconds to two minutes going through someone's LinkedIn profile. So Tony, if you, for example, you know, went to college for a film as a hypothetical, and I would see that in your LinkedIn profile, I would find a way to kind of steer that conversation, at least in the first couple of minutes to, Hey, you know what? I just happened to check your LinkedIn profile. I know you, just, you studied film. That's really interesting. You know, how did that go? And then how do you tie those things? One time I was in a sales conversation and the guy had, um, he had an accreditation for a youth hockey coach. So in the first, you know, 30 seconds, I, I happened to bring up hockey and we talked about hockey for 25 minutes. And the last five minutes was a quick demo and what's next steps. So I think, you know, if you engage people and keep them interested, um, they're more likely to be aware of what you're doing. Tony, who knew working on a cruise ship could lay the groundwork for a unique career path in sales and storytelling? Or should we say sea work? See what we're doing there? We're just, uh, you know, I, I apologize. I just had to do it. But uh, you're right. I definitely wouldn't have guessed that. And I don't think Nick himself could have predicted where his career would have taken him when he first stepped on that cruise ship so many years ago. In any case, Nick's willingness to try new things and develop his soft skills ended up landing him in the perfect position to suit his diverse blend of talents. And I really think he is in the perfect spot right now. And he's putting his background in events, content and partnerships to good use. And Nick's carved out a unique niche for himself that has made him an indispensable member of his team. It just goes to show that when you follow your passions and you develop your skills and act as your own best advocate, there will be someone out there who needs exactly what you're offering. It's only later on that you'll be able to see the big picture and connect the dots, as the late Steve Jobs would say. Tony, the film guy, the cocktail connoisseur, what makes a story stick with you? Well, if I have a cocktail in my hand, then the story will absolutely have a chance of sticking with me. But I think what really makes a story stick with me is the ending, right? You could tell a great story, but if you don't have a good ending, you, you kind of leave people hanging. And, you know, you can talk a great game in sales, but if you don't deliver on the results and provide the value 
then you're really not going to get the customer where they want to be, right? So if you tell a great story, you have to back it up with substantial information that really shows, yeah, not only can I tell you what to do, but I can show you that we've done it before and build that level of credibility and confidence that you're gonna be able to do it for them. I think what makes a story stick with me, Tony, it just has to be a little bit believable. I don't mind if you're in a car and you're gonna fly off the roof. I just need it to be like, yeah, that, that, that's, that makes sense. I mean, I, I feel like that could be done. And I also like a bit of humor. I like when there's a hero, like the underdog. I like those kind of films. That's what really makes me uh, things stick with me. But you make some really valid points about, you know, tell, telling a good story, connecting the dots for the actual prospective client, getting them to kind of join you on that journey that you're taking them um, through with the story and helping them to piece together exactly how things are today and where they're trying to get to. And that whole piece around it being realistic is very, very important when it comes to trying to get an organization to actually believe that the story you're telling is realistic. We're talking about um, trying to not be a widget like everybody else if there are 10 competitors and, and really using storytelling as a differentiator. But, but what makes a good storyteller? How do I start storytelling tomorrow? <laughs> so the first thing is, is understanding that you are telling a story, which seems very simple, but a lot of people hesitate and aren't sure how to do that, right? Because especially if you're a technical seller, so I deal with a lot of sales engineers. So they're thinking, you know, features and, and it gets very technical and very granular. But I'm going to quote, uh, there's a gentleman named Chris White, who's very well known in the pre-sales community. And uh, one of the things he was talking about was, okay, if I'm selling a shovel, am I actually selling a shovel? Well, no, because what I'm really doing is the shovel is to dig a hole and the hole is to plant a tree and the tree is being planted to create shade and the shade is being planted so the family can go out and enjoy that shade, right? So a tech, someone very technical is going to talk about selling that shovel, whereas if you tell the story of reverse engineering what the actual final outcome is, that they want to enjoy the shade of the tree, I know that's kind of, a, he tells it much better, but it really hits, the, hits home on that point for me. I think just getting people to understand first, how do I take Tony's problem, Tony's pain point and reverse engineer the story so that he sees himself in my solution? You mentioned pain earlier, the pain of the of, of kind of the prospect and your pain in essence is an emotion, right? So um, whether you're it's storytelling, film in sales, whatever it might be. You know, why do you think it's so important to tap into the emotion of your prospect, or your customer, especially today with, you know, how competitive it is to get everyone's attention? Why is that so important? Emotion drives action, right? If you, if you can really find the emotional string and pluck it, what you're going to do is whatever that emotion is for the, the person, whether you're getting them to understand that they're going to get pleasure out of this or you're going to remove pain out of this, if you can find that emotional cord and and really strum on that you're way more likely to get them to drive action and drive action quicker and you know another thing i learned the last couple of years was why now so not just you know why are we having this conversation today hannah but really why are we having this conversation today i got to the point where at first i was getting a little uncomfortable because i was digging so much to really find that why but when i did find that why then I could really understand. So Hannah, why are we having this discussion today? Well, we're having it because we have this pain point. Yeah, but why today? Well, I just told you because we have this pain point. I know, but what, 
what was the impetus that drove it that we're actually having this conversation? Well, actually, you know what happened? And my boss comes out like once a quarter and she goes bananas because of ABC. And okay, well, now, now I know how, you know, what the the end of the epic journey for my prospect is. So now I quickly try and reverse engineer that story so that they can play that role in it. I was going to say with that as well, with that creating uh, the hero, right? It also gives your your champion an opportunity to know how to articulate themselves internally. So they they then know what story to tell internally. I think sometimes they are also like, we need this tool. And even internally, their, their teams are like, well, what, what do we need it for? So oh, I haven't really got my story together. So we, we have a massive opportunity as salespeople to help educate and guide people to tell those internal stories, which I feel like a lot of champions are bad at. You know what? That's brilliant. I really like that. And that that's a very good point as well that I think sometimes we do uh, gloss over. And, you know, one of the things I try and do is when I would send out a proposal, you know, I'd send the PDF, but I'd always do a 45 second, just a very, very light highlight, four or five bullet points, basically allowing me to kind of tell the story as I've understood it from the prospect. And one time, you know, because I'm tracking this with my video software, one time I had 40 distinct viewers internally at a company when I sent that uh, proposal recap. So now I have 40 people internally uh, who are either champions or stakeholders uh, who were not part of any of the storytelling, at least now get the trailer for the movie. And it provokes the conversations internally for, you know, now what you just said, Hannah, bringing it back that now my champion can better articulate my story. Where do you think companies get it wrong with demos specifically? Like, what do you see in, in what you're observing and what you've been called in to fix? They're very clunky, right? It's not fluid. It's, it's almost, um, you know, I will keep referencing movies here, but a really good demo is, uh, you know, an Oscar-worthy directorial piece of, of content. Two key things, Hannah, are, you know, forcing your, your solution. And, you know, Hannah, you and I talk a lot. And you go in and you coach a lot of companies. So we we assume that a lot of companies act like they do after you and I have been there, right? And, and, and we've changed, you know, what they're doing. I have never gone into a company that's doing a good demo, right? Some, some do okay, but never a good demo and definitely never a great demo. I really wish I had heard your dating advice a lot sooner because it would have made <laughs> high school and college a lot less painful. But uh, I, I think <laughs> um, <laughs> from some of the things you mentioned, um, you know, obviously from the demo stack platform seems like it's a great tool that you, know, you could take advantage of. But what would you say are some of the other tech tools and platforms are that you couldn't live without today in your in your current role? Video. I mean, I, I am obsessed with video, but I am obsessed with it because it is so effective, right? Whether you're using video for content on LinkedIn, you know, I'm a disciple of Gary Vee. And, you know, a couple of years ago, he kept saying two places that there aren't enough video content are LinkedIn and TikTok. Well, where do I create video content? LinkedIn and TikTok. Now, I, that's a, from a content point of view, and I won't go down that rabbit hole, but it's the same thing. There are so many ways that you can use video throughout the sales cycle that are just people think of it as an introductory tool, a prospecting tool, and it's absolutely that. But you can you can create a mini demo. So again, if you have these you know uh, stakeholders that haven't been present, you want to do a quick three minute recap of the, an overview of the product, proposal recaps. One of the things that I do. So one thing that irritates me is, uh, hey, I'm just following up, Tony. I'm just following up. 
right? Those emails make me nuts. So what I'll do is I'll, Tony, what, you know, whatever your, your company does or, or, you know, something that, that intrigues you or, or, you know, your space, I'll send Google uh, news alerts for those. So what'll happen is then I'll get a Google news alert and I'll say, oh, look, this applies to Tony and to also this prospect and this prospect. So I'll take 15 seconds. I'll open up, you know, my video platform and I'll say, hey, hey, Tony, I just noticed this really uh, interesting article and I thought it applied to you. I'm just sharing, right? So video to me is the, the you know, it was huge before the pandemic. It's bigger now and it's not going away. So video is my favorite thing. So I need to talk a bit about this 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 job title of yours, Nick, head of storytelling, because I, I me personally, I, I want to understand like why you think more companies aren't really, firstly, like why they don't have one and why they should. But I'm just going to give an example of things that I see that drive me crazy, and that's when I go on a website and it says, it, I, I, "There's every website says this, not every, but most of them." It says, "We can help you with your strategic objectives," and exponential is there somewhere. That like that's the free words that are on everybody's website, right? So I, I see that, and people often go on the website and they're like, "So what?" do you do? I, I don't get it. So going back to the question, head of storytelling is a, is a job title. People might, must see it and think, what is that? But it is relatively new. And that's the case, right? Head of happiness is another one. But um, why, why do you think more companies should hire? Like, wh- why should more companies get behind that, uh, that, that job title, that function? And what does that role really mean to you? So to me, it's brand awareness, right? Whether you call it head of storytelling, whether you call it evangelist, whatever it is that you call it, it's really about creating awareness about the brand. And it's because of exactly what you said. Everything is the same. Our solution to do X. And let me introduce you to thesaurus.com because if everything is amazing and disruptive, then nothing is amazing and disruptive, right? And everything sounds the same. And I cannot tell you how many times, and I'm, you know, slightly tech savvy, but I've been on a company's website and I can't understand what the actual solution is. But I think what's interesting is that, you know, how you create awareness for your brand really comes down to who's out there. And, and I think now you can get into layers and this could be a whole other podcast, but now you get into the selling that happens behind the scenes, right? So now I'm dealing with other evangelists from other companies and we're in this dark social world where we're in these WhatsApp chats, having conversations that are driving traffic to, you know, um, you know, marketing qualified leads, right? So I think the opportunity, so one is the front of house, let's call it, which is, you know, being out there, being at events, being visible, having conversations, going on podcasts. But then the real opportunity is getting granular in the back end, the back of house. And again, the dark social. And I'll tell you, I really believe that community is going to be the future of selling. Um, you know, I'm not saying anything uh, so out, out of left field like cold calling is dead, but, you know, community and social selling and, you know, being creating awareness to me is is what the next, uh, if not decade, at least five years are really going to focus on. And part of the reason I moved into this role specifically is, you know, I saw this as an emerging space. And I really believe every company should have someone out there. And I was just at an event in Florida this weekend and I had evangelists from other companies get together and we shot a, a funny video about me delivering swag for demo stack, but they all got involved. I had them all wearing demo stack t-shirts, but their brand awareness, you know, evangelists for, for other companies, but I'll turn around and do the same thing for them. 
right? And then we're all interacting with all of our followers on LinkedIn. We're interacting off the same post. But what happens is you're creating now this, this wave, which, you know, if it crests right, becomes a tsunami. Storytelling is obviously a skill, right? And clearly you have it. Um, but what would you say some of the other soft skills are that are really important for, you know, AEs or sales executives or, or you know, sales professionals to develop? Body language. And that is so critical. You can tell a whole story by the way you move your body. And one of the first things I do when I do kind of coach people on, you know, being camera ready or whatever it is, is, you know, how's your camera positioned? How's your lighting? Because if you feel comfortable, you're going to be more confident. If you feel you look good, you're going to be more confident. But then how do you move within that screen? How do you, and then, you know, body language, I'm going to also bake in, you know, talk how you speak and your tempo and pace because, you know, you ever notice, Tony, if you, you're shopping for a new car, so let's say you're out there shopping for uh, a Lexus, um, you know, to drive, to go see the new movies every weekend. You see that car everywhere. You ever notice that when you're looking for a car, you see it everywhere? It's because we're so overwhelmed with information that our mind filters out and only now tells us what, it, what we've told it is important. So now this Lexus is going to stand out to me every time that I see a Lexus. It's the same thing when I'm speaking and using body language, because what happens, Tony, is that if I'm talking in the same pace and the same tempo throughout the entire conversation, the problem is, is that my brain is going to tune that out because it makes it sound like it's not important. Can you, can you repeat that? <laughs> <laughs> but if, sometimes, I'll, sometimes I'll speed up, right, to get to a really interesting point. That, and now if I really want to hit this home, right, so I'm playing with the speed of the conversation. And one of the most critical things, and when my when my sellers on a stage could master this, this is when I knew they were next level, is when you do what we used to call the pregnant pause, which can you pause to a live audience for two seconds? So Tony, I'm about to tell you something really, really critical. That two seconds feels like 10 seconds mentally, but it is two seconds. And what happens is it refocuses your brain. Now your brain is telling you, Tony, 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 pay you got, whoa, he's going to say something important. You got to pay attention to this, right? Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll make my voice a little bit higher, right? And sometimes I'll make it a little bit deeper, depending, again, switching it up. But if I'm doing that, if you just get used to talking that way, which for me now is just very natural, you will keep people fully locked into what you're doing, fully engaged to what you're doing. And that just gives you so many more bites at the apple when it comes to, you know, trying to sell what it is you're selling. So smooth, isn't he? He's so smooth. Uh, we're we're going to be hitting you up with some rapid fire questions uh, really soon. But before then, I, I want to talk, we always talk about like the future of sales, but, uh, but I want to uh, go a bit more niche when it comes to like the future of storytelling in sales. So I'd love to hear some of your top predictions um, around, you know, like how will we tell stories in the future? If you mention the metaverse, I'm going to slap you. No, I'm joking. No, no. <laughs> but it could be. Well, I, I think if I think even okay, I'll, I'll make this super simple, right? A lot of people who create influence or are building brand on LinkedIn is by text-based posts. The present, the people who are really advancing are using video, and that's the future. That's the opportunity is to take advantage of video on LinkedIn. This is if you are in business and you are selling. That is the social media you need to focus on. I'm experimenting with stuff like TikTok, but LinkedIn is where it needs to be and telling those video stories. I also think collaborative selling. So this is where different people who are representing your brand can collaborate together, whether it's what we're doing right now for a webinar. But I think the awareness that this creates for other brands, I mean, it's something that I do every day, but I still see a lot of companies that don't collaborate. They're just, they're just pushing out. 
And what I'm trying to do is pull, right? So if I can bring enough, enough people in and involve enough people, what I'm doing is I'm essentially becoming a magnet. And now it's at the point, you know, and I was having a conversation internally on with our marketing team yesterday. And, I, you know, there's a lot of people that are reaching out saying, I want to collaborate with you. I want to do something with you. So now it's, we're literally going through and saying, okay, how do we piece this company, which isn't really a fit for us, but they really want to do something. So how can we make it interesting so that we can, you know, create something that's interesting for an audience? Um, and then finally, you know, I'll just uh, not to put too fine a point on it, but edutainment is critical. Um, you know, it goes back to what you were talking about earlier, Hannah, about the solution on the website. Well, if you can tell an interesting story that's maybe a little bit tongue in cheek and a little bit funny that tells a great story about your company, people are way more likely to pay attention if there's a little bit of humor involved. I have people that, and I don't, I'm frankly, I'm, I'm not very funny, but I, I work with a lot of people who are, but a lot of people tell me, they're like, you know what, Nick, your product does not apply to me, but I, I watch every single one of your videos because they're short, they're punchy, there's actionable insight and you make me laugh. When we talk about storytelling, when do you feel like companies will start to make that transition? I'm not talking about big brands like Nike that are already there and creating NFTs and all that stuff. I mean, like, you know, just the, the standard corporate company going to like venture into the metaverse to start thinking about storytelling. Are we, is it too early? No, I think they already are. I mean, they're, they're already starting to creep in. And if you look back at, you know, early adopters, um, you know, think of, remember when Twitter was first getting really big. And one of the first big brands that was doing something different was Wendy's, the restaurant chain. Do either of you remember that, what they were tweeting about? Uh. They were just hilarious and they were complete. No business was doing anything like what Wendy's was doing. Duolingo right now, if you go to TikTok, and I know you all have TikTok accounts, don't tell me you don't, <laughs> but look up what Duolingo is doing. They're doing really creative outside of the box ideas and now other companies. So Duolingo has been doing it for six, 12 months. Everyone else is now just trying to figure out there's this huge crowd of like lemmings following them off the cliff. I mean, man, I wish I had gotten more serious about TikTok three years ago because it was just greenfield and there was just so much opportunity to explode. So the sooner you get into these new techs, right, the sooner or these new spaces, these new environments, the quicker you are going to build some things. Well, as you talk about, you know, early adopters and thinking future states, what, what would you say is next for you and, uh, you know, the demo stack team? Next for me is just getting on more planes, just kind of, you know, uh, preaching the, uh, the, the gospel of demo, of demo stack, right? I mean, this is, you know, what's so amazing is this is, so this space of these demo environments is new, right? But so was what Outreach and Sales Loft were doing a few years ago or what Gong and Chorus was doing a few years ago. So the one thing I get is, holy smokes, I didn't know this was a thing, right? So it's really just letting people know that this exists. So that's it for me. It's just how can I get out there and create content? So Nick, this has been a ton of fun. However, the fun is not over yet. We are now going to go through our rapid fire questions. So this is going to be, we ask a question, first thing, top of mind, fire it out there, and uh, I'll let uh, Hannah kick it off. All right. So what is your sales philosophy in just three words? Be more human. Love it. <laughs> That's mine. It's quite funny. What is the best piece of advice you've been given in your career? Give actionable insight. Top productivity hack. <laughs> Monday.com. <laughs> <laughs> love it one piece of advice that you'd give to all salespeople: brush up on your soft skills you know and here's how you do it 
take an improv course. Ah, I love it. Go back to acting. I love it. Where do you get your industry news? LinkedIn. Our leaders made or born? Combination. Little from column A, little from column B. What book has it inspired you the most in your career? Anything by Brian Tracy. I can go through a bunch of them, but I'm a big fan of Brian Tracy. Brian Tracy made it very easy for me to understand sales a long time ago. All right, we're going to bring it full circle with one last film-related question. Sell me this pen or always be closing? Sell me this pen. You had that pen in your hand the whole time, so come on, you got to... <laughs> this has been incredible fun. You, you've been an amazing guest. Really appreciate you being on the podcast with us here today. We wish you all the best of luck. And like you said, we're, we're bringing you back. That's it's We're getting the contracts out to you shortly. So get that pen ready to sign something else. But we'll get you back on shortly. Whatever Hannah asked me to do on there. I love it. I don't know about you, Tony, but our conversation with Nick has inspired me to work on my own storytelling skills. Yeah, I think while the connection between sales and storytelling may not be obvious up front, a great salesperson should have a solid understanding of this relationship and how to leverage it to their own advantage. It's true, learning to create impactful content that keeps your customer engaged is essential, especially if what you're selling isn't everyone's favorite topic. <laughs> exactly. Anyone can sell something exciting like tacos and margaritas, and I'm sure we will gravitate towards the margaritas ourselves, Hannah. But the real skill lies in bringing fun and intrigue to a topic that's inherently dry for the average person. I think by tapping into basic human psychology, Nick has found a unique method for catching and keeping the attention of his prospects, which is no easy feat in today's attention economy. Absolutely. It seems like people have less attention than ever. And as salespeople, we all need to be more mindful of the role storytelling plays in our daily interactions. In fact, we're always telling a story, whether we like it or not, so we might as well make it a good one. I've got my virtual cocktail in my hand, Tony, so cheers to that. <laughs> You'd be telling a story if you weren't. So Hannah, as a content maker, what advice would you give to a salesperson that wants to get started? Be yourself. Everybody feels like they need to just be someone completely different when it comes to creating content. They feel like they need to be an expert writer, an expert video maker, an expert voice note creator. I always say that when you create content, particularly visual content, it's so much more forgiving. Nobody's looking at the commas and, you know, you know, have you used the right apostrophe? They're just looking at you and they're trying to see if you are authentic and genuine and whatever it is that you're saying. They want to feel your energy. They want to feel what you're bringing. People are often like, what do you mean be myself? I can't be myself. I'm like, yeah, be yourself. And that means just if you are a bit quirky, then be quirky. If you like instruments, then then play an instrument or, or talk about that. But people often think, how do I assume this corporate identity, strip myself back, make myself as palatable and vanilla as possible, and that means that I'm not going to be at risk of offending anybody or of alienating anybody. And that's the complete wrong way to think about it. So be yourself in all of your greatness and you will create content that is authentic, true to you and something that you're proud of. So you must have been speaking to me in another life at some point because when I first started, gosh, I was 22 years old and I really didn't know what I was doing. I, no one had really coached me or taught me anything. And, you know, I was trying to be what I thought I was supposed to be as opposed to just being myself. And 
I, I don't know when it happened or how it happened, but at one point I just started being real with people. And I think that really helped launch me into, you know, where I've gotten in my career. I'm very personable with people or I try to be. And, you know, I think that really helps show the human element or the human side of sales, right? Because people buy from people. They want to make sure that they feel comfortable with the person that they're going to entrust a decision and, and money with. So they really want to make sure that the person they're dealing with is a real person. So I, I totally 100% agree with you. And sometimes it's not the easiest thing to do, right? I know personally, sometimes you get a little bit of a shell on a certain day and you know you don't feel like you want to open up or do certain things. So what's the best way to do that? Well, maybe have a cocktail. Maybe that gets you started down the right path. Maybe not, but you know, for some people that might work. But either way, I think, you know, sometimes you just need to be real. You just need to show people that, hey, I'm human too. You're buying or you're working with someone that really has your best interest in mind. And I'm just like you. We're just trying to do the right things for each other. And that really shows we're on the same team and, and sets you up for the right path. I think if you're just doing the right thing, then you're never really going to do the wrong thing. And that's how to think about it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ready, Set, Sell. We hope you took away some valuable lessons and insights that inspire you to reevaluate your approach to sales readiness. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the show when you get a minute. And stay tuned for the next episode of Ready, Set, Sell.